And two people come into marriage from different yep, families. Absolutely. And so you're assuming you, you assume that the family you grew up in is normal. And then you get married and you realize, well, all families are abnormal, right. just in different ways. And now we've got to decide what is our family? That's right. What does our marriage look like? We're not part of our family. We're a new family as a married couple, and we get to figure out how we're going to do life together. Well, howdy, y'all. Pastor Mark here, welcoming you back to the Real Marriage Podcast. If you don't know, we got a brand new book, my wife Grace and I. Uh, it's called Real Romance, and it's on sex in the Song of Songs. And uh, hey, if you're not having sex, uh, we want to help. If you're having sex, we want you to have more and better sex. And if you're doing really great, congratulations, you're officially a unicorn. The book is now available, and you can find all the details at realromancebook.com. And on today's episode, we'll be delving into the Song of Songs, the Real Romance Marriage Book, and try to help you spice up your love life, my friend. And so this idea of the little foxes, the person may be big, but the issue might be small, but it's gnawing away. So I wanna talk about that a little bit. In marriage, how often is it that, that the people who marry are just different? I mean, meaning they're, they're just so different in how they think or act or live that at first it's kind of intriguing, but once you get married, it can be a bit annoying. Well, I mean, I think 100% of marriages because men and women are different. <laughs> so there's always gonna be something that's opposite or different that has an opportunity to eat away and, and build up resentment instead of talking it through and figuring out if it's a sin or if it's just a habit that a is quirk. no big deal or something you're overreacting to, or there's all kinds of angles to take about it. But yeah, I think all marriages, if, if they're honest and actually talk through things. What are the ways that we're just different? It's easier to list the ones we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> we're different in... Almost everything. We yeah. take all of those various marriage and personality tests. And uh, I'll never forget one we took. We were polar opposite on everything mm -hmm. except for one thing. Loving Jesus. And Spirituality and theological agreement. Mm -hmm. We were like 100%. Everything else, zero. Yeah. What that means is we got to hold on to that. <laughs> That's all we got. And so we agree on what the Bible says, but everything else, we're just very, very different. Mm -hmm. Are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? More of an extrovert, but I'm not an extrovert. I'm more of a introvert. profound introvert. Silent, solitude, prayer, study, reading books with dead people. And I do monologue, not dialogue. Mm -hmm. I'll talk and go home. Mm -hmm. And so I'm more of an introvert. You're more of an extrovert. Which one of us is more of an optimist, more of a pessimist? I'm the optimist. You're more of an optimist. You're hopeful. Me? Mm -hmm. I'm a pessimist. It's If it's not bad, it's it's going to be, just wait, you'll see. Um, and so this is what happens in marriage. Sometimes what attracts you to each other is you're different. Mm -hmm. And then what annoys you when your marriage is those differences. Mm -hmm. So the neat Nick marries the spender. Which one of us is the spender? Which one of us is the saver? I'm the saver. You're the saver, I'm the? Spender. Spender, okay. And so then um, the neat Nick marries the slob, the person who likes everything in order. <laughs> and then I'm the not a slob. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, you pick another word. I have nice piles. Creatively organized. <laughs> <laughs> so I like everything in its place. And you? I'm okay with stuff being a little disheveled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Not food, though. No, 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 no. Just paperwork. Um, and then the person that likes to always be early usually marries the person who's always running late. <laughs> I feel like you're attacking me right now. <laughs> 
Melanie, we are illustrating for others. So which one of us is early? Which one of us is late? I'm teaching you patience. You are teaching me patience. I always like to be there 10 to 15 minutes early as a general rule. So if something happens, you're on time. You? That just seems like a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always bought Grace a big vehicle with a V8 because I just want her to win. Drive fast so I can get there. (laughs) She drives very fast. She's a very aggressive driver. (laughs) And she drives very, very fast. And I've always put you in a big vehicle. And I was very convicted. uh, And I'm not saying I've changed. I was just convicted. But some years ago, I would get in the car with the kids. Mm -hmm. And we would wait for you. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. <sighs> Just emotionally processing. So I would get in the car with the kids and I would wait and we would wait and we would wait. And then I would start to chirp in front of the kids, which was wrong and a sin. Resentment. Resentment, bitterness. I'd be like, oh gosh, come on, Grace. I'd say stuff like that. <laughs> come on, we're going to be late. And I'm talking and the kids are listening. And I'll never forget, there was one day... Um, Alexi, she looks like you, and she's got more your temperament. She was in the back. She was really little. She looks like um, Tinkerbell. And she's little. She said, uh, Tinkerbell looks like me. I was like, well, yeah, or you look like her either way. But uh, she, said, uh, she said, yeah, but Daddy, isn't your beautiful wife worth waiting for? I hear from the car seat in the back. And uh, Pastor, I paid her well for that. Yeah, so... <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I, I got a prophet in the back seat. I was like, I said, yeah, honey, I would rather be waiting for your mom than not waiting for anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and she really reframed it. It's not about when you arrive, but who you arrive with and isn't your wife worth waiting for. And so, you know, these little uh, differences can lead to big annoyances. And sometimes when you're dating, you can sort of, your pain tolerance tends to be a little bit higher. But once you have kids and a job and responsibilities and you're overwhelmed, these pressures can really exacerbate. Um, and it's important not to talk through those issues when you're in the moment of being bitter or frustrated, frustrated but to pray and wait for timing and just say, you know, I, I, I need to talk to you about this and I don't want to overreact because I love you very much, um, but are you willing to talk through something that's hard for me or that I'm struggling with? in relation to our relationship. Yeah, and um, and in that, it is just pulling back and asking, is this a sin? Right. And if it's a sin, it needs to be repented of. Is this just a personality? And so it's like, you know, some people are just not super organized. Mm-hmm. Some people, um, you know, they're, they just lose track of time. And it's not a sin, it's just a personality. Um, Is it something that is a strength when it's properly utilized and then it's uh, maybe a little more difficult when it's not properly utilized? So like one of the things I love about your lack of, you know, real incredible driven promptness is like when we go on vacation or something, (laughs) it's awesome because it's like you'll just hang out and do whatever. You know, there's not this hard and fast schedule. a program, yeah. Yeah, and so for vacation, it's awesome. For work, it's, well, it's, but. But it's. I've made progress. Though. You have made. Sig- I used to be thirty minutes late, no matter what. Now I'm like ten to fifteen. Ish, yeah. And there was a point. So we'll just, you know, appreciate you guys being here for our <laughs> therapy session. True or false? There was a time that you put all of the clocks on different times. Yes. And and I said, "What are you doing?" You're like, "Well, that way, 
I'll trick myself into being early. I was like, you will never know if you're late. We don't know what time it is. All the clocks are different times. Um, but what, you know, part of mine is probably uh, is that I, I can be more emotionally grumpy and I can be more difficult to deal with when I'm under stress. And you tend to be more of a lake with few waves. I tend to be more stormy seas. Mm-hmm. And so for you, it means if you want to talk to me about things or you want to deal with things, you got to pick the right time and mm-hmm. you got to you got to navigate the waves, which is more complicated for you. And you're a lot easier to interact with because you tend to be just more of a cheerful, joyful person, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. <laughs> yeah, you do. And so what happens is these little foxes in the vineyard, it's, it's maybe little things that over time just keep yeah. gnawing at you if you don't forgive or overcome them. This can be, uh, for example, let's give a few categories like boundaries. Mm-hmm. So extended family or friends, you're like, they keep calling or dropping by or wanting to do the holidays with us or... It, Extended family thinks we're all one big dysfunctional family rather than two families that have to negotiate kind of how we do life together. Or certain friends don't respect boundaries. They just call, text, email. They just crash into our life at any point with, you know, sort of unmet, unreasonable, unspoken expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe talk a little bit about how certain boundaries with certain people can very often be a fox in the vineyard. Well, it it shows what our priority is. So when, say, if I'm getting communication from someone, whether it's text, phone call, email, whatever, if I'm constantly paying attention to that over you um, or the Lord or the kids, if my priorities are out of order, those boundaries aren't healthy for me or the people because they're seeing that they're a priority over what needs to be a priority for me. And so I need to be very cautious about how I spend my time responding to things and the timing of when I respond to things. If you're talking to me, I shouldn't just be, you know, returning a text to someone. I need to be focused on what we're talking about. So when we got married, phones weren't like they are today. How big is it for most people that the fox in the vineyard is really the phone? No, I think it's huge. Yeah, it's a huge distraction. I think the average person I read spends six to eight hours a day on their phone. Mm -hmm. And that means that you're spending far more attention there than there. You're not making eye contact. You're not having nonverbal cues. And that anyone or anything at any point can just literally jump in the line of priority Mm -hmm. and just disrupt the whole day. I think social media is the same way because you're paying attention to what other people are thinking about you over your spouse sometimes. And I think if you care more about maybe someone's even not even telling you something that's true about yourself and they're building you up and you need to be convicted and you're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit or or honest conversation because you're like, well, but they say I'm great, so I'm just going to go with that. And so I think there's all these distractions in this day and age that that can be great things, but they can be harmful things. It can be a fox in the vineyard for sure. Yeah, and I hate it when, you know, like people bring phones to dinner. When we do family mm-hmm. dinner, to me, it's sacred. Like, mm-hmm. okay, phone's off, phone's away. This is yeah. time that we get to be together. Yeah. When it's date night, um, I don't like the texts and the calls, and, and we both get that because right. we're in ministry. And if you immediately respond to that, part of the problem with that is you think, well, I'll just respond and get it over with. Mm-hmm. You're now habituating that person that you'll immediately respond and you're always available. And it actually just increases the amount of communication mm-hmm. and interruption that comes careful. into life. Mm-hmm. Other things can be um, architecting. Sometimes the fox in the vineyard is you're in your life, but you haven't worked on your life. Mm-hmm. Um, we would never live in a home that was not architected, but oftentimes we'll live in a marriage or a family that wasn't architected. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk about even this last October, we took our 
kind of 50th birthday anniversary getaway. And, it, and really, it was to have fun and hang out. But it was also to architect, to life plan. Yeah, we did a marriage retreat um, with Pastor Jimmy Evans and did videos and like took time each day um, on the trip to really analyze, okay, are we doing well here or what do we need to work on here? Um, confessing sin, praying together, spending time going through scripture together in the retreat. Um, it was a great way to outline everything and then to also have vision for, it's called a vision retreat, um, to have vision for what what could do, we could do better. Yeah, and it was working on our life, not just in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was an analogy that was told some years ago. I read it in a leadership book. There was a you know a big cruise ship docked um, bayside, and uh, two guys come up, and they're standing before the boat. And one guy asks the other guy, in relation to that boat, who's the most important person? Mm-hmm. And the one guy said, like most of us would say, the captain. The other guy said, no, the boat builder. Yeah, Because you can have a great captain, but if you have a bad boat, it doesn't matter how great the captain is. And there's a lot of people, they love each other. They love the Lord. They're working so hard. They care so much, but they built a bad boat. Yeah. And God has a plan for our life, but are we in line with God's plan for our life? That's your schedule. That's your budget. That's your priorities. Looking at your annual calendar, trying to figure out, okay, what does life look like? Otherwise, the little foxes get in. You're like, well, we were going to do date night, but then we had work. And we were going to go on vacation, but we didn't save the money. And we were going to, you know, get a family weekend away. uh, But then the phone rang and something came up and somebody else cut in line. And life will always do that to you. And I had that a lot growing up because my dad was a pastor. And so he was constantly interrupted by emergencies and so our family time got very much cut into. Our game nights were never uninterrupted. uninterrupted. And so for me, that was kind of a trigger that going into ministry, you being interrupted constantly, it was hard for me because I felt like I was back in my childhood not feeling important or, you know, like a priority. And so we had to talk through that because that could have been a major, it could have been a bear in our vineyard, <laughs> not a fox. I mean, it just, it was really hard for me. And so understanding that, coming out of even stuff from our past, there's going to be stuff that maybe we overreact to because of our pain from the past. And so talking through that is very important and understanding that about each other. Honey, I think you bring up something there too. Sometimes you don't even know that there are foxes in the vineyard or triggers in the marriage mm-hmm. until you're married or in your, mm-hmm. you're in a season. And then all of a sudden, emotionally, you're really bothered by something. Yeah. And it may be connected to something from your past. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, if you grew up in a home where we always sat around and watched TV and ate dinner and didn't talk, and then you get married and they grab dinner and they go in front of the TV, and you're like, why am I so upset? Because that was a fox that was in my parents' vineyard, and I don't want it in mine. Yeah, you didn't You didn't like having dinner in front of the TV. Oh, no. Because you did that as a child and felt like it wasn't family time. And so whenever I'd say, oh, let's just sit around the TV. We can watch the baseball. And you're like, no, 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 we need to sit around the table. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? It seems so weird, but understanding where you came from and being sensitive to that, but then working it through so it doesn't have to be a trigger. Um, it's it's just important. It's part of marriage. And two people come into marriage from different yep, families. Absolutely. And so you're assuming baggage. You, you assume that the family you grew up in is normal. Mm-hmm. And then you get married and you realize, well, all families are abnormal, right. just in different ways. And now we've got to decide what is our family. That's right. What does our marriage look like? We're not part of our family. We're a new family mm-hmm. as a married couple, and we get to figure out how we're going to do life together. And so sometimes in marriage, 
early on, you find those foxes in the vineyard. They're like, that bothered me. And they're like, mm-hmm. why would it bother you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We got to talk about that. It's going to gnaw away. And sometimes what one spouse will do is they'll say, well, that's not a big deal. You just need to get over it. You need to learn to live with it. It's like, but if that fox is gnawing away at the yeah. bottom of the vine, it's causing damage to the fruitfulness of the entire relationship. Yeah. And so it needs to be tended to. It needs to be addressed and mutually respected. Right. So you don't need to agree on these things. Sometimes you just need to submit on these things. Yeah. Uh, there'll be things that you want that I don't think are a big deal, but you do, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so this is what they're talking about with foxes in the other. vineyard. And so what happens in this section of Song of Songs, they're they're excited. They're looking forward to time together and making love and making memories and going on vacation. They're flirting, flirting, flirting. And then a fox gets in the vineyard. Something goes astray or awry. Not a big catastrophic thing, but some little thing. And then it ends up in a big fight. Mm-hmm. And then what she says is, he left, and I can't find him. Mm-hmm. Guys still do this. Usually if somebody's going to get in the car and drive away or slam the door or go into the garage or go into the man cave, it's usually the, yeah. it's usually the man. He's going to disengage. Oh it's going to be a cold war. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so um, we want to talk a little bit about how to have a fight. And so... Uh, so we're going to fight. I hope you're ready. I'm stretched out. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, there is a guy named John Gottman. He is a well-known researcher. He uh, analyzes marriages. He's able to predict divorce with a 91% uh, success rate. And he talks about the four horsemen. Um, mm-hmm. And just like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, these are the four horsemen that you know sort of ride in to destroy marriage. And uh, the, it all starts with a harsh startup. Mm-hmm. So there's a fox in the vineyard, and then there's a harsh startup. So defensiveness, I'm going to win. So I'm angry. I'm emotional. Volume is up, right? I'm looking in the eye. Aggressive posture, behavior. So volume doesn't have to be up for a woman. A lot of times women are seething inside and criticizing inside and think that they're being really godly because they're restraining that. Hmm, that's interesting. I've never <laughs> thought of that. Um, and then what happens is with the harsh startup, it, it, it's, it's almost like you're uh, a race car driver at a line and it turns green and you dump the clutch. Here we go. It's like we're moving way too fast. It's too emotional. It's too intense. It's, yeah. it's, it's too much too fast. It's a Better harsh startup. Better to stop and pray and wait. And so what he says then, the four horsemen are, number one, criticism. Mm-hmm. This isn't a concern. Henny, I love you. We could work on this or a coaching. You know, I would really appreciate if this is a critique. This is, a, this is an attack. Attack on the person instead of the problem. So there's not a problem. The person is the problem. You, and this is where you know you're into it, you always do this. You never do that. Mm-hmm. Or you're just like so-and-so. And then we pull up yes. ancestors. You're, mm-hmm. you're like your mother. You're like your grandmother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime we start going after the fox in the vineyard with harsh startup criticism, you are the problem. And if you are the problem, and the problem is not something that is coming between us that we need to remove, but you are the problem, then the only way to fix the problem is to get rid of you or to reject you. Uh, and then the second is contempt. So maybe explain that. Uh, well, you're already at the point of into the bitterness cycle, and you're just, you're driven to win whatever it is. I'm right, you're costs. wrong. I'm going to win, you're going to lose. I am sick of you. I don't even want to work it out with you. Yep. I just want to punish you or I want to remove you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how? just as a general human response, when you sense contempt in someone, what's just the natural human re- reaction to contempt? Just run away, recoil. I don't even do it. Yeah. 
I mean, if you don't even like me, if you don't love me, if you don't even want to be with me, if you're just sick of me, if you're disgusted by me, mm-hmm. I, I just don't even want to be here. Mm-hmm. And then it's defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So you, you know you've gone too far too fast. You've said and done what should not have been done. But rather than repenting, you're defending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've done this for sure through the years. And We're both truth people, so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's easy when you're feeling attacked to feel like you need to defend and you don't feel any other way like, oh, if I'm humble right now, it's going to go really well. That's a hard thing to think in the moment. Um, And so defensiveness can rise up. And I mean, there's usually something that is viable that you can defend, but it's, it's all in the, the, our goal for the marriage. What is our goal? Do we want to beat each other up and, and not build each other up? Are we trying to win the argument, but not the relationship? I mean, we, we're putting the problem over the person. And so it's very damaging when we get defensive instead of just saying, okay, let's just pause right here. We're obviously not in a good place to be mm-hmm. talking about this. We're not going to, we're going to hurt each other more. Let's stop. We'll pray separately. Journal pray it about, out. Yep figure out, get our heart in a right place. and Maybe then, bring in wise counsel. Yep, yep. But you talk about winning the argument versus winning the person. Mm-hmm. And winning the person is how do we become one? Yep. Winning the argument is how do I win, you lose? Mm-hmm. And that is always a dangerous place to be in. And what happens in defensiveness, we start blame shifting and excuse making. Mm-hmm. You're angry. Well, of course I'm angry. I'm, I'm married to you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're just being very, very mean. Well, that's because you were mean to me, and I'm, now right. you know how it feels. And this is where the right. defensiveness kicks in. Mm-hmm. And now we've gotten very creative. We can even blame it on our personality. <laughs> like, well, I'm just an extrovert, you know, who's passionate. And so it's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Satan. So, um, and so, you know, we'll find ways to defend ourselves. Well, and, and we see each other as the enemy instead of the enemy as the enemy. Maybe talk about that conversation, that sort of breakthrough moment for us in our, I think it was in our bathroom. bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> it's the enemy has been after marriage since the garden. He didn't even show up. Adam yeah. and Eve didn't see Satan until after they were married. We always say after the wedding comes the war. Mm-hmm. Spiritual warfare doesn't even start until after you're married. So we have to see that there's a real enemy in marriage. And if we don't see that, then we're constantly going to see our spouse as the enemy. And so for us, that came to a realization. It was several years into the marriage. Um, and and you kept blaming me for things or, you know, getting upset with me for things that I was doing. And, and there was parts of it that I was like, yeah, that's not right. Why do I keep doing that? But it was just this reaction that was so strange to me. And it just felt like you weren't seeing me Mm -hmm. as me. Like you didn't even see me as trying. And so I remember I was praying in my mind, like, Lord, I don't know how to break through this. We are so stuck right now. And the Holy Spirit said, tell him you're not his enemy. And I was like, what? Of course I'm not. I was like arguing in my head with the Holy Spirit. Like, tell him you're not his enemy. And so I said out loud, I said, I'm not your enemy. And you said, yes, you are. Mm -hmm. And it just, the lights went on like, oh my gosh, we're fighting each other instead of the enemy's actually trying to divide us right now. And mm-hmm. we're blaming it on each other and we're not going to get anywhere like this. We need to see the enemy is at work and we need to figure out. We need to be one against exactly. the enemy. And Jesus says a house divided can't stand. Yeah. And at that moment, that was a revelation because, you know, theologically, biblically, I know yeah. you're not my enemy, but in that emotional response. Yeah, you were hurting. I was hurting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, somehow for this married couple, 
um, or this couple that's headed toward marriage in the Song of Songs, they have an argument over some fox in the vineyard that doesn't go well. And then the last of uh, Gottman's for its criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Mm-hmm. Stonewalling is where you tune out. Mm-hmm. You just turn on the TV. The guy goes into the man cave. The gal goes into the kitchen. You don't make eye contact. Silent you turn your treatment. back. Silent treatment. You just take, go tell your mom, go tell your dad. You then get the kids involved like hostages in the negotiation. Um, the worst is then when people go passive aggressive and they're posting on social media. Mm-hmm. My husband is, or my wife oh, is, uh, yeah. I mean, now, now it's, we're not really, Public. we're not really engaging, but we're drawing other people into the fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is where, People sleep in separate beds mm-hmm. or you roll over and it's the silent treatment at night. You give each other, you know, enough room for Satan to sleep between you. Um, and or um, there's just no physical contact. There's no affection. There's no there's no there's no eye contact. I mean, it's it's a cold war. Yeah, it's a cold war. And what Gottman says is the majority of the time, it's the man who does the stonewalling. Mm. I was the one who did it in our marriage, though. Which is interesting. Oh no, I, I silent think, treatment. No, no, you did silent treatment. I would, um, I would withhold physical affection. I wouldn't hug you or come near you, and uh, and I would just go study or work or stay busy. Right? Yeah. It's nice that you laugh about it. <laughs> we got over this. This was last night. This was a long time ago. <laughs> but for us, we would call this the crazy cycle because yeah. when we would get into it, it's like th- we're stuck in the same cul-de-sac yes. again. Yes. Like we hate this cul-de-sac and it doesn't go anywhere. We just drive around until we run out of gas and we're just exhausted and frustrated. And then we look at each other and say sorry and pray and cry and read Song of Solomon and do stuff. <laughs> so, um, and so, um, And so what happens here in the Song of Songs, they have a fox in the vineyard. They go from flirting to fox to fight. Mm-hmm. And so the fox comes in the middle and it, it ends the flirting and it is used for the fighting. And so um, I just want to, apologize to you. I know that the stonewalling in our relationship has primarily been my sin against you over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'll feel hurt, and so I'll withdraw. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I feel lonely, and that doesn't fix it. So I, uh, I, I love you with all my heart. It's, it's a great joy to be your husband, and I miss you, and I need you more than I think you think you're needed, mm-hmm. and you're more uh, powerful and important than you think you are. Um, and, uh, and it's really encouraging to me to see a godly, at least this point. They're gonna have some issues later in marriage. We'll get there later in the book. But this is a perfect book written and it includes a fight. Mm -hmm. And it just shows that this is actually not a catastrophic, but in a fallen world, a normal part of marriage. Yeah, absolutely. You need to learn to fight well. And and to pay attention to and mutually respect the foxes mm-hmm. in the vineyard. Yep. So that's going to be our homework assignment mm-hmm. for you. So what do you want them to do for context to have this conversation? Well, again, in a private conversation, phones off, looking each other in the eye, just like our other sessions, yep. with a lot of love and grace toward each other, forgiveness toward each other. Again, enter into this being teachable. Okay, I allow foxes, you allow foxes. Let's talk about not letting these foxes that we both let in. It's not just about you, it's about both of us. Um, And how to get rid of the most frustrating ones. So kind of prioritize what are the ones that are most common that constantly are eating away at our marriage. And maybe both take one at a time 
and then start to work through that. And okay, how do we figure out how to get that fox out and not permit it back in? What are some ways that we talk about it when we sense that it's coming near the fence again? And don't get defensive. Mm -hmm. Just say, okay, that's an issue. What can I do? Yep. So I'll give one example that comes to mind. Uh, Some years ago when I was like, honey, you're always late. You're like, I've got five kids. (laughs) I was like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I overlooked that. You know, they were there. Um, And you're like, they forget their shoes. They throw up. They wet their pants. They need fishy crackers. Like, as I'm trying to get ready, I'm trying to get five kids ready. And I was in the habit when we were dating or married, like, well, hey, get ready. And then we had the five kids. It's like, oh, somebody's also got to get them ready. Mm -hmm. Because if you've ever seen five kids try to get themselves ready, they need help. I mean, their (laughs) underwear is outside of their pants. And I mean, it's just a situation. And so you're like, honey, it would be really helpful if you help get the kids ready so I could get myself ready. It's like, as simple as that was, (laughs) I'm an off-the-rack, standard-issue, clueless male who needs sometimes some pointing out of the obvious. And so we want you to have a conversation about what are some of the most frustrating foxes in the vineyard and then lovingly coach one another, here's what you could do to help me in this area. Yes. All right. Thank you. (laughs) You want to pray for him? Yeah. Okay. Lord, thank you that you help us see these foxes because you want um, healthy marriages. You want us to be loving you and loving each other well. And so I pray that you would point out for these sweet couples, the foxes that are eating away. And Lord, I pray that they would have the strength and the courage and the wisdom to deal with them and not let them continue to destroy the foundation of their marriage. Lord, um, just bless and protect these marriages in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.